0: on the daily sports talk show. Nuwana now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like What up, Montana? Welcome in. Happy Monday. Hope you're having an outstanding Monday. I don't even know what to think about what I experienced this weekend, but I'm so excited for this upcoming week. So we'll get you all prepped for what's upcoming, and uh, all filled in on what's already happened. It is Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Radio, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanas We're broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsports Studio My good friend and colleague, Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, in studio with me. You want to stream the show? 1029 ESPN.com. Click on Listen Live. You want to be a part of the show? 406-888-1029. You can call or text that number anytime. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. We're bringing this all together for you because we want you to just have it all memorized and a part of your habits. So for our big fall giveaway, we're giving you a Traeger Grill, a beef box from Haymaker Beef, and a hefty package of Alpine Touch, or we're giving you an otter box, a grill, and a cooler courtesy of Twisted Tea, all you have to do to enter into this giveaway, subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram, ESPN, Alpine Touch, and Haymaker B. Follow all three of those people on Instagram, and then send us a text at 888-1029. That way you'll have everything all taken care of. You'll know everything that's going on here at ESPN Radio from here on forward, and uh, we will be giving you a variety of prizes come Judgment Day. That's November 20th, the regular season finale for both Montana and Montana State. There's a game, that day. <laughs> there, There's a game there, that day? There happens to
1: be a game that day, yes. Okay. I, I think I've got it on my radar. I just, wanted, I just wanted to make sure, Coulter. Hey, we can't ever skip ahead, though, right? Can't, don't you listen to these coaches? Oh, One week at a time. Oh, my gosh. Coach
0: I Al mean, claims he doesn't even know who the next week's opponent is when you ask him after I, the game. I know. Yeah. I asked him last week. I said, okay, coach, can I ask you a question about the Eastern Washington game? He goes, is that who we're playing?
1: Uh, it's like, get out of here. I know. It's like, come on. I me, mean, it's a little in the middle. We at least wait till the game's over. And we even even let you enjoy the win for the first eight questions we ask you. We just want one. Does he not know all we're looking for is one soundbite for the next week? That's right. That's all we
0: want. Just hype up his team. (laughs) Hype up everybody's teams. It's all good. I get it. A lot to get to today. Goddamn, Riley back in studio. Uh, We're going to do the Montana football hour as we do the first hour of each Monday show. Recapping, Montana's 31-14 win over Dixie State. Montana State's 45-7 win over Cal Poly. Seems like that's the final score in Bozeman every single week is 45-7. I was watching the heavyweight championship fight on uh, Saturday night, and uh, one of our colleagues, uh, Darren, was over, and and he was saying, "It's like, I swear the score is the same. He's, the opponents differ, the score is the same. <laughs> I guess a testament to the consistency of both Montana State's performance and the um Lack of quality of their opponents I so was far. just
1: going to say it, it's a double-edged sword. Number one, consistency from the Cats. Number two, maybe all their opponents are about the same caliber, <laughs> at least so far.
0: That's exactly right. So we'll get you all wrapped up on uh, last weekend's games, get you a little bit previews of this weekend's games because this weekend, much more compelling uh, on the docket. Montana State heads to Weber State for the, the showdown in the Big Sky this week, but probably the other showdown in the Big Sky this week is here in Missoula uh, with Sacramento State coming to town. So we'll do all that in the Montana Football Hour. Then hour number two, good friend Marty Morningweg will swing by for this week's Monday afternoon quarterback. And just dependent on how long Coach Marty wants to hang out. Maybe we'll hear from Vince Huntsberger as well. Our latest Grizz Greats uh, episode. And uh, this weekend in Missoula, worth noting, it is the... uh, 20th anniversary of Montana's 2001 National Championship. They're actually having the celebration of that team on Saturday as well.
1: Well, and so much cool stuff around it. I know that your Grizz Greats is a more comprehensive view, so you got to make sure you check out that podcast. The Inside the Den is rolling with a special edition podcast that's coming out here right after the show's over of, again, just chronicling the 20, 2001 team. Johnny Montana will be on there. Dan Orizati. Kind of, kind of a little-known linebacker until the limelight happened. He wasn't even a starter till the very end of his career started during that whole playoff run two sacks against Furman in the national title game so it'll be a great uh weekend to celebrate these guys and culture not only are they coming together they're coming together for a good cause putting together a scholarship fund raised almost three hundred thousand dollars for their three fallen teammates as well so uh just good stuff all the way around the board and be fun to have them back. I know that. It's hard to believe. I mean, I'll even ask you, can you believe it's been 20 years?
0: It is crazy. I, I know. I was I was recording an episode uh, last week that we'll, we will release this week with Johansi Humphreys. And Yohansi uh, uh, was definitely one of my favorite Grizz when I was uh, a kid. And I was telling him, I said, this is a fascinating life experience for me to be sitting here as a guy in his mid-30s who um, certainly has put a lot of work in, but also this is sort of second nature to analyze and talk about the Grizzlies at this point. But 14-year-old they would be geeking out if I was talking on the phone to Johansi Humphrey.
1: That is great. Yours was Joe Humphrey. Mine was Johnny Montana because I'm a Billings kid, and when I started following Grizz football and coming up to the games, it was during the streak, and it was when John Edwards was the quarterback. So Johnny Montana was kind of my first Grizz football hero, so to speak. So it was full circle. I got done interviewing him today. So it's cool. I mean, hey, we're in our 30s now. We get to go back down memory lane. We still get to talk and analyze Grizz football And go down to that 2001 team. So, just good stuff all the way across the board. It should be a really fun week here in Missoula.
0: Montana Football Hour presented in part by Stockman Bank. Stockman Bank invites you to experience the Stockman difference. As a family owned community bank with locations throughout Montana, Stockman Bank is committed to enriching the lives of Montanans and helping communities succeed. What that means for you, your money stays in the local economy, supporting your friends and neighbors. We're going to switch up the Montana football hour just for a brief minute here because we've been delaying getting to you the high school results. And I was thinking about this over the weekend. You come here for the analysis, the commentary, but also for some results as well. So we're not going to give you any analysis. We're just going to give you a high school football scoreboard of what happened over the weekend and then get into breaking down both the Grizzlies and the Bobcats and everybody else around the Big Sky Conference. So at the AA ranks, uh, the spotlight was on Missoula because of the crosstown game between Missoula Sentinel and Missoula Big Sky. Spartans won for the 16th straight time, 6-0 this year, with a 35-0 win over the Eagles. So the Spartans are the uh, Missoula City champions this year, and they remain the team to be at the Class AA level. In the probably game of the week, Butte beats Glacier. So now all of a sudden, Glacier's backs against the wall a little bit. Everybody does make the playoffs now in the new format, but Glacier was... Riding high, number three team in the state when they lost to Sentinel. And now they've lost to Sentinel, Butte, and Helena High. So that's three losses in four weeks for Glacier. So uh, they're in a little bit of an interesting situation. But a big win by Butte to bounce back after they lost two weeks ago. One of the upsets of, those, uh, of the uh, season in uh, happened in Bozeman as Great Falls CMR went to Bozeman and lost to the Hawks 21-14. Some other A scores. Great Falls high, they continue to roll. They were zero and four, and now they've won four straight. It's part of that scheduling, but they actually got on track a little bit. Forty-eight to six over Skyview. Also, an identical forty-eight-six score for Capital over Hellgate.
1: I mean, I, I just want you rattle through all these first, because then I want to pose a question to you that I have out there. Because I, I take more than thirty thousand foot view. Sure. I mean, you follow yeah, this yeah. stuff week in, week out. But go ahead, keep rattling through.
0: Billy's West uh, Spanks, Billings senior, thirty to nothing. Helena High destroys Flathead, fifty-one nothing, and Gallatin beats Belgrade. Forty-two, nothing. A couple other non aa scores worth uh, noting. Columbia Falls beat Browning eighty-one to zero. This is very bad. This is the worst loss in the history of the state. Yeah. Uh, but that, I, I think there's a bigger story here. We're not going to hash it out today, but I think that that's a very unnecessary and inappropriate to beat a team eighty-one to zero. There is full ways to not do that. So, well, and especially with the running clock at thirty-five. Uh, no, that's what I'm saying. Come like, on, man. Uh, Yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said here. I think we got to be careful with, because we are talking about high school kids, but. That ain't cool, man. 81-0, Columbia Falls over Browning. We'll get to that later this week, though. Uh, but then in a good rivalry game uh, that affirmed that this team is still the team to beat in Class B, the Forest Falcons laid it on Loyola 45-7 in Florence. Is just straight rolling. But back to uh, your question, rather, I guess, whatever prompt you might have, because I think I, I already kind of know which road you're going to go down here, because it is interesting, especially at the AA level right now in Montana.
1: Well, I mean, look at the big disparities. Number one, you have two games played within a 30 point margin, every other yes. game's 30 points or more. But maybe to the next level of analysis, Coulter, I mean, Everyone agrees who the top two teams in the state are. It's Sentinel and Billings West. That's right. Who's number three? Who are the top contenders? Because first, maybe you thought Glacier, they kind of went back to life a little bit. Who are the top contenders that maybe could disrupt what is seeming like a West Sentinel take two championship? Well, Helena has
0: looked exceptionally good since they lost to Sentinel. Caden Hewitt is the best, I, I would say best player in the state when he doesn't play the Spartans. When he plays the Spartans, Zach Cruz is the best player in the state. Both of those are good news for the Grizzlies because both those guys are future Grizz. But Hewitt didn't look good at all against Sentinel and then looked amazing against uh, Butte and amazing again the following week, uh, this last week against Flathead. And And he put up
1: all records against Hellgate. That's right.
0: I mean, six total touchdowns against Hellgate in the first half. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think Helena is right there. Um, I think that... I was, I was going to say that CMR was in the mix there, but then they lost to Bozeman this week. So I do think Helena kind of has that inside track, but maybe Butte as well. I don't know. I, but you're right. The, the battle for third is sort of wide
1: open. Well, and it seems to me, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to do my research. I think Helena plays Billings West this week. That's right. And that's so a good game. we're going to maybe find out how close it is. I mean, being at that West Sentinel game at the very beginning, it was a great win for Sentinel, but you maybe walked away going man, Billings West kind of wasted some opportunities. So, you know, they're chomping at the bit at it. And, and when you're on this crash course for the top two teams all year long, just seems that someone might stub their toe. So I'm just curious who those contenders are going to be. And it'll be fun to watch play out because obviously, I mean, you see it with these scores. There's a huge, dis- there's a couple tiers. I would say that you've yeah. got one and two in a tier. You got teams maybe three through six or seven in a tier. Then you got teams that are obviously struggling with the season. And that's why you see most of these games being blowouts.
0: There's so much to go into here, but we're going to save it for later on in the week. It is the Montana Football Hour here on Nuanez Now. I'm Coulter Nuanez, Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz, joining me in studio. Partially, I wanted to get the football scores in because I know there's a lot of curiosity around that, around the state. But also, uh, I also teased Bobby Houck's sound coming up. That sound is not going to work because it was just not necessarily voluminous enough for a Nice word. better way of saying it. That's Uh, a great word. But but, I think that that's a symbol for sort of what was happening on Saturday. I tried to sum it up in my post-game show here on ESPN. It was one of the strangest football games I've ever been to. The Grizz, there was just a missing spark. Uh, everybody involved in the operation just seemed tired for the duration of the whole thing. There was not a lot of energy going on in the press box. There was not any energy in the stadium. There's not a lot of energy going on on the field. Coach Houck seemed like he just wanted a nap after the game. It was just, it was a really weird deal. And I think that that's what you get when you play a nationally televised game that gets over on Sunday and you don't get home until midday on Sunday, basically, in terms of football players' schedules. And uh, then you have to step out of conference play and play on a really hot Saturday. It was a lot hotter than people expected. I mean, there was a lot, we're going to get into all the factors, but. It was just a really weird game, but at the end of the day, it's a game that has a massive potential for a letdown, and some people can say, well, the Grizz did have a letdown, but they didn't. They won 31-14, and that's all that you can really ask considering all the, thi- all the details we're going to get into here in just a minute.
1: That's a survive and advance type game. That's right. and For everything that you laid out is completely accurate, and it's human nature. No matter how solid the locker room is, no matter how great this team might be in December and January – It's human nature that an emotional letdown is going to creep in after all the buildup for Eastern Washington. And I think it was a combination truly of everything. It was the perfect storm. This team didn't get back till 5 in the morning. They were in their beds between 5.45 and 6. But their Sunday schedule doesn't change. And I think it was a constant week of playing catch-up, of trying to be 100% healthy and knowing who the personnel was going to be. Coulter, Saturday morning I'm sitting in Coach Houck's office four hours before kickoff. And he didn't know who was going to play at certain positions. And that's exhausting for a team that is so locked into the details and knows, okay, if this guy's out, then we're going to plug this guy in. There was so much up in the air all week. And I think that just coming off the nationally televised game, you step out of conference, you're playing a team that's 0-4, you've never played before. There was really, there was no best-case scenario. I guess is the best way I can say it. If Montana wins 45-3, it's still kind of, eh, yeah, okay pass it and move on. It's just a no-win situation. I think your assessment is accurate. It was everyone was just exhausted. And, and I think that they kind of got through it and that's the best way to describe it. Gritty. you never apologize for a win, but it was ugly. It was ugly to say the least, especially at halftime when it's three to nothing.
0: After a stuffed fake field goal oh like right before the half too. Th- they were incredibly shorthanded, so let's start there. It is the Montana Football Hour presented in part by Brett's RV and Marine. Brett's RV and Marine, proud to be the largest of all Montana RV dealers. They have a top-notch service department. If uh, you're shutting down your RV for the summer and uh, rather than storing it, why don't you sell it? Sell it back to Brett's RV and Marine. They're buying back a lot of lightly used or even fully used RVs as well. And uh, if you need some servicing before you put your RV out for the winter, they can also help you with that. They're located at 4800 Grant Creek Road. Start your next adventure with the premier RV dealer in Montana, Brett's RV and Marine. I know that Riley has to be a little bit careful here in terms of his information because Riley does have a um, truly behind-the-scenes look at the Grizz team, and he travels with them and things like that. And so... um that's why we love to have him on this show, but also he can't necessarily to confirm or deny Senator as a lot of people would go. say. Uh, but I'll tell you this, just based on observations of what happened in the game, Joe Babros, senior defensive end did not play Derry Todd, who's another defensive lineman did not play. Gavin Robertson was out for the third straight game. He's a senior defensive end or excuse me, senior safety. Um, Patrick O'Connell, I know that you could see it on the Eastern film. He banged his hand up pretty good, so he didn't play full amount of reps, although he still did have a sack because, of course, he did. He gets a sack course, every, yeah. every Saturday. Uh, Colton Kintz, starting right guard, retired last week, um, citing some personal stuff. And uh, Gabe Solser was unavailable Saturday. Cam Humphrey was unavailable on Saturday. That's Montana's starting slot receiver and part returner in Solser and their starting quarterback, a senior in Cam Humphrey. So all that's to say no matter what the circumstances i think that this is the unique spot that the grizz occupy on the national and big sky conference landscape when a narrative starts to be starts to be built about this team it resonates so profoundly because there's so much more attention given to and so much more interest in the team than any other team in the conference that they play in or the division that they play in it's just way more so when everybody on earth is talking about the Grizz have all this depth. People around the Big Sky are talking about that. I think it also gives people a false sense of how the real the reality of the situation. Any team that loses all those guys in one week are you are so up a creek. No matter who you're playing, they weren't. They didn't look phenomenally good or sharp, but they had one third of their starting lineup was a different starter. Not to mention, I know that there was a lot of clamorings for. Uh, Cam Humphrey leaving something to be desired. Maybe Chris Brown would be this quote-unquote perceived upgrade. The other thing you got to understand is that it takes so long to get a guy ready. So I guess what I'm saying is, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of a program that does have the expectation when you play a transitioning Division One team that you're going to win 49 to three, and people be disappointed when you only win by 17 points. But at the end of the day, the reality of the situation is like R.J. Nelson hasn't started a game at Montana for like four years. Like this is a whole different deal for Montana with all all the guys that were out on Saturday.
1: I mean, there's so many things to cover from that, and I appreciate you saying that because it's an interesting spot that I'm in right now. And I guess where I'm going to really focus on maybe where they were the most then was at the defensive line spot, especially the defensive ends. I mean, there was an illness that went around through that position group room throughout the course of the week. So that's why you maybe saw guys that were on – Play counts, pitch counts, and only would play portions of that game. And the defensive end spot—I mean, you look at it with Balbaros and Todd injury-wise, yeah. and then you've got Belknap and McGowan, who maybe weren't quite 100 percent, right. and we're only going to play a certain amount of plays. You're right. I mean, the starting defensive ends were R.J. Nelson, a fifth-year junior that hadn't started since 2018. And then Henry News, Noose, Henry Noose a from freshman Flathead, right? from Flattop. Excuse me, yeah. exactly. I mean, so they were playing a bit undermanned. Seven starters were out in total, and you're right. The depth was on display, and you saw it. But they were missing that killer instinct. They were missing the juice, and I think a lot of maybe the tension. And I think tension to be a good word to maybe describe the stadium because I think. Nobody knew what to expect in that game, whether it was Chris Brown, how good or maybe how bad was Dixie State. There was just no gauge for expectation on that, and that's how you saw the first half play out. Oh, boy, okay, freshman quarterback. Yeah. He turns it over in the red zone can't really get much going fake field goal stuff what the heck's going on there was just tension in there and I think that you could see it building from maybe the the unavailability of players throughout the course of the week and my gosh especially the D line spot and I think that's maybe culture where you saw a little bit where the Grizzlies are used to playing more playing with more juice I thought this was an interesting number this team came in to the contest number one in the country in TFLs and sacks that was the lowest amount of tackles for loss they had in the game this year. And that counts the game against Washington and obviously all the other ones. What's that go to show you? Maybe they didn't get the push. It was just an unorthodox game plan from this get-go.
0: We're going to get into that part in a little bit here, about 15 minutes, because there was a lot I saw in that element as well in terms of play calling. Um, they, they, weren't, they weren't doing the whole thing that they usually do defensively. And part of that is because of the guys. They're in the game. It is the Montana Football Hour presented in part by Stockman Bank. Of Montana, Stockman Bank has 36 locations throughout the state of Montana. They're in Montana, only in Montana, and they plan on keeping it that way. Let Stockman Bank show you Montana Montana's brand of banking today. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. Let's talk a little bit about the Bobcat game, Riley. um First and foremost, I know you didn't watch it because these games kicked off at the exact same time. <laughs> you were on the call for the Grizzlies. Unfortunately, a lot of people around the state of Montana didn't watch this game because it was a Root game, but the Root was not available to be streamed on ESPN Plus as was initially indicated. There is no streaming ability for Root, so therefore, unless you had traditional cable, not a lot of people had this game.
1: Well, that's brutal first off. and number two, and, and I think it's something I'm I'm not calling anyone out for trying to keep secrets or whatnot, but it's, it is well known within inner circles that the four games that are on Root, they say are available on ESPN Plus but only if you're outside of the viewing area. That's so right. everybody in Montana, Idaho, Washington, right. and everyone that's even a part of Root Sports Southwest in Texas won't be able to stream this. It's only if you're on the East Coast or if, you, right. uh, if you're not within the footprint. So anyone in the Northwest, particularly Montana, is never going to be able to stream one of those four uh, Root Games, and particularly that one on November 20th between the Grizz and the Cats. Oh, buddy.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, this is a segment for later, to be <laughs> sure. But all that said, uh, I got as much intel as I possibly could, read as much about the game as I possibly could, and uh, we had three people on the ground for Skyline Sports there covering the game as well. Uh, but the the consensus here is that Montana State continues to keep it pretty simple, uh, they, but they continue to just pound opponents. And uh, probably the most notable... Factors in this game included Isaiah Fonse scoring three total touchdowns, including his first receiving touchdown. Tommy Mallott, former Montana Gatorade Player of the Year from Butte. He continues to be uh, sort of a Swiss Army knife. Uh, They're calling him Tommy Toolkit over there because he's got a lot of tools in his arsenal. I like
1: that. Did you expect him to be this involved right away?
0: Here's the thing about Tommy Mallott, and I asked him this question today, and we will have a story about this uh, later on this month at SkylineSportsMT.com. The last, who's the last guy for, I guess Brady Gustafson is the last guy from Montana to play quarterback at Montana. And Jake Bleskin the last guy from Montana state. But before that, you have to go all the way back to John Edwards uh, in 2001 for Montana and for the Bobcats probably Rob Thompson back in the nineties. Wow. Yeah. That's in that's terms of Montana way kids. Way back. And I've heard the narrative forever that it's because Montana kids, they grow up in Montana. They're underdeveloped. Yada, 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 uh, the, it's the opposite of the reason hardly any time, any of the time Montana guys get to play quarterback at the Montana schools. It's because they're like Tommy Malat and Carson Rostad, where you're like, well, that guy's like 6'2", 225. He can run. He likes to hit. We put him on a kickoff. He went and tackled the guy because he did that in high school. It's not like a guy from out of state that didn't do that. I mean, Tommy Malott was an all state safety. So when you see him and you're like, well, I want him to be on the 63-man roster that travels. Okay, he's going to be our third or fourth quarterback, but we got to teach him how to cover some kicks And then all of a sudden, you start realizing this guy can do a lot of stuff. And I think that, honestly, it's not because Montana kids can't play quarterback at the Montana schools. I think they just play their way onto the field at other spots first, and then they just never go back to playing quarterback.
1: Well, look at, again, all the way across the board, I agree with you. Garrett Graves, that's that's another example. Totally. Rostad, absolutely, that... They're used to playing different positions. I think that maybe people that are so engrossed with with Montana high school football maybe don't realize the fact that these out of state kids come and they are truly grooming themselves for six to seven years to play one position yes. and one position only. So yes, that's a great assessment about Tommy Malott, and I loved I love it. I mean, we all love it, Montana guys, me and you, to sure, see sure. those guys contribute. No matter in what position, I think it's even cooler if they're a quarterback in high school and they go and they make their way somewhere else. I mean, hey, let's remember this too: Jace Lewis was a quarterback in high That's right. school. That's right. So, well, you can
0: find former quarterbacks all, all the way over. across. But Tommy Blott had a one carry for seventy-four yards on the afternoon. It was a great uh, zone read keeper and uh, shades of a poor man's Troy Anderson. He's, he's galloping in the open field. But um, defensively, the Bobcats continued to force turnovers. They had four takeaways on Saturday, and so. Um, all in all, the Cats are 5-1 going into the showdown at Weaver State on Friday. They've basically just decimated their last five opponents by pretty uh, sizable scoring margins. They have had a pretty consistent formula, basically trying to go up 35-0 in the third quarter and take out your starters, and uh, they've executed it pretty well. So, I don't know where I'm at with this team. I-, I do know where I'm at in terms of evaluating them from an internal perspective. They're incredibly talented. They're playing with a very good, quiet confidence, and they're not beating themselves in any form or fashion. They look very efficient in their operation. They look very uh, fluid in everything that they're doing. That said, this is exactly what how they should be winning against the opponents that they're winning from. So I just, I'm just i so interested to see, can they take that confidence on the road now? Because the level that Weaver State's going to punch you in the face is a lot harder than the level they got punched in the face the last several weeks.
1: I don't think I've ever seen a schedule, and I'm not trying to be overly crazy with a statement here, that has... Truly your five easiest opponents right. at the beginning, yep. and then your five toughest opponents yep. at the end. and no that, question. They're 5-1, and one, and they have, I want to say, the good first. They have done exactly what they're supposed to, yep. and they are clearly a top three team in the Big Sky Conference. That, that's not up for debate. It, it's Eastern, Montana, Montana State, whatever order you want to put that in. No those are the top three in this league, and we'll get into UC Davis here in a moment. Oh, boy. Oh boy. But Montana State, they are dominating up front. They are doing what they're supposed to. But I am telling you one thing, Coulter. How is this rushing attack going to work at Weber State? This is a perfect storm. I didn't realize this until I was really diving in today. I mean, Montana State played on Saturday, and I know they pulled out starters, but they still played a game. For sure. Weber State has three losses already. Yep. One could say that they need to win out. They might be able to lose one and still get in. They're playing for their playoff lives and arguably the best coach in this league over the past five to ten years. Sure. Has a, had a bye week last week. For sure. Montana State is a short week. They're going on the road no question. and playing at Weber State.
0: And they also have had no success at Weber State. The last time they won down there, I think, was 2013 when Daenerys McGee was a senior.
1: Yeah. I mean, that all, all that put together, this creates a fascinating matchup because it's strength on strength, much like the, the Grizz and Eastern matchup we saw two weeks ago. The cat-rushing offense against the Weber State rush defense how does it come to be you've watched most bo- both of these teams more than anyone else but what a matchup that we're going to have i'm just saying montana state is really up against it with that scenario and weber state has waited 13 days for this big time game with their season on the line
0: it, it is a, such a huge game too because if weber loses backs against the wall they absolutely have to win out after that period Montana State loses. It's not backs against the wall yet, but with what's upcoming. Like, the Cats have the three toughest road games in the league because they have to go to Weber, they have to go to Eastern, and they have to come to Missoula.
1: And with a home games home games against Idaho State and Idaho who aren't necessarily walkovers sandwiched in between. No no question. They just have to –
0: If if they were to lose on Friday, then that would make those home games must-wins and then also make such huge pressure when you go to Cheney because then you can't you can't get multiple losses because then it, the the rivalry game for all the marbles that amount of pressure is enough to make a team just completely melt down so it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out but this is a enormous game in Ogden Utah for both of these teams both Montana State and Weber State. So-
1: so how are you going to implement more hours in your day? Man. Because the, it's a Friday night, 8 o'clock, ESPNU kickoff. Yeah. Game yeah. gets over. Trust me, those ESPNU games, they go late because that game in Cheney was atrocious how late it went. But anyway, you'll get done about Dude, midnight. I was
0: like so grumpy. Oh. I got to tell you a quick story. Yep. One of my buddies who is a big sports fan, but he also works at the hospital. So when he's at work, he can't really engage in any of it. He's running around. And uh, he texted me. I guess it would have been like 11.45 Montana time, so 10.45 uh, Eastern Washington time. He said, in God's name, what is happening? Why are the Grizzlies still playing a live game on my TV? I said, dude, you have no idea. You're welcome to the 10,000 other people that are at this thing that are working, that are like, what? what, can we just go home? Regardless, Uh, it is true. It is going to be – it it screws up the entire –
1: routine of Absolutely. a football team yep. for the week of and then the next week as well. It does. And for maybe the people covering it like yourself, no especially kidding. if you're, are you really going to try and be in Missoula so by one o'clock Saturday? I am
0: going to be in Missoula by one o'clock on Saturday. Yes. Yeah. I'm uh, I, I, I'm not going to tease my uh, plan yet because we're still trying to iron out all the details, but
1: you're going to be at both games. That's I'm, all I want to be at both games. Okay, maybe. man. I
0: love it. A text in from a uh, loyal listener, especially since he's been around town a little bit more uh, these this time of year. Fritz neighbor, former uh, yes. Gr- Missoulian beat writer, is now working up the daily Interlake up there in Kalispell. He's uh, must be driving around because he, he's reminding us that, of course, how can I forget this guy, Andrew Sell is another oh, yeah. Grizz quarterback. Billings West guy, led the Grizz of the 2009 National Championship game. Guy gives Selly Boy some love. He was definitely uh, a really good one out of Montana. That and played you, you know Montana. Fritz,
1: we got to have a fact check with Fritz because Fritz is always going to have the info. Oh, he knows. There, no doubt.
0: He knows. Montana Football Hour presented in part by Brett's RV and Marine. Summer may be setting, but savings are at, on the rise at Brett's RV and Marine. Swing on by 4,800 Grand Creek Road today to check out Montana's largest RV dealer. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, in studio with me, Coulter Nuance. We'll take you around the Big Sky and talk a little bit about the X's and O's of Montana's game plan on Saturday. Also get you prepped up for what this upcoming week looks like, particularly when it comes to Sacramento State. And also take a look at the stats, FCS Top 25 poll as well. Five Big Sky teams still ranked, just different order each and every week. Keep it right here. Nuance Now. The Bobcats won for a fifth straight week while the Grizzlies got back to their winning ways and the Spartans are the champions of the Garden City. Hello, I am Coulter Juarez. The University of Montana football team bounced back from its first loss of the season at Eastern Washington to grind out a 31-14 win over Dixie State on Saturday in Missoula. Grizz redshirt freshman quarterback Chris Brown threw for 240 yards and a touchdown while rushing for two more scores in the first start of his career. A largely short-handed Montana team moved to 4-1 by holding their FCS independent visitors to 1.3 yards per carry on the ground. Montana re-enters Big Sky Conference play by hosting Sacramento State on Saturday afternoon. The game also marks the reunion for the 20th anniversary of Montana's 2001 National Championship team. Montana State rolled for the fifth week in a row, dispatching a visiting Cal Poly in a 45-7 homecoming victory on Saturday afternoon in Bozeman. MSU's fifth straight win came on the strength of four interceptions by the Bobcat defense and three total touchdowns by junior running back Isaiah Fonse. The Bobcats are now 5-1 with a trip to defending Big Sky Conference champion Weber State looming on Friday night. And finally, Sentinel cruised to a 35-0 win over Big Sky to claim Missoula's city football title for the 2021 season. The Spartans are now 6-0 and have won 16 games in a row, dating back to the beginning of last championship football season. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. Sandman for you on your Monday. Hope you're not sleeping. It's the first time it's been a little dreary and dark as we've been rolling through the Montana football hour in, I don't know, forever because we didn't have it for a long time. Then we had it in the spring, and now it's finally fall. Welcome back in. It's Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz. Joining me, Coulter Nuwana's, in studio. It is the Northwest Motorsports studio Northwest Motorsport, Newton, Missoula, located at the corner of Stevens and Mount here in the Garden City. You can also find the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest at nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. Montana, a 31-14 victory over Dixie State. Montana State, a 45-7 victory over Cal Poly. The Grizzlies now 4-1 overall. 1-1 of Big Sky Conference play with Sacramento State coming to town. The Bobcats now 3-0 Big Sky Conference play, 5-1 overall with uh, a trip to Weber State Friday night on the horizon. Let's take a look around the rest of the Big Sky Conference because I have to be constantly stimulated at all times. I've now been bringing my ipad so you this is an ipad you got here right yes yeah so do you use this for like your stats and stuff during games yeah it's super nice right it's great i ended up not to bore you with the logistical stories but i basically ended up having to buy an ipad that's uh sort of co-use for espn and skyline and i was a little salty at first because it was pretty expensive but now i've been bringing it like you do and i can have my live stats on there and stuff put a little game up in the corner it's nice
1: it's a dual purpose everything i love it and it's like I can get all my audio stuff done too, that's right. not to go through the nerdy broadcasting. No, side sure. of stuff, but absolutely. Yeah. No, I love multitasking. We have to do right. that. We know your brains cut up into 18 <laughs> different portions when you're doing things for Skyline, ESPN, right. and everything. I mean,
0: hey, that, that's how we roll a little bit. So I had my live stats on, but also at the Idaho State uh, UC Davis game because I couldn't get the CAT game on. So I watched a fair amount of this game. And uh, definitely a great effort, first and foremost, by Idaho State. Idaho State was a team that was one of the teams that was kind of a quote-unquote trendy pick in the league. And by, tr- by pick, I mean pick to finish in the middle when they're assumed to sometimes finish last or whatever. But they were a middle-of-the-road pick. I think 6th or 7th is what they came in in the preseason polls. And then they went out and started 0-4, and it was not a good start. And it looked like maybe there might be some heat on Rob Fennessy and his staff. And then UC Davis started out 5-0, and and they won at Weber State, and they climbed all the way up to number eight in the country, and Dan Hawkins is telling everybody that'll listen, this is his best team. Then they go to Pocatello, and
1: they lose 27-17. Stubbed their toe big time for Davis, but great win by Idaho State. Great win by them, and it was 24-3 to at one point, which, I mean, that's blowing the doors off. And this is your classic trap game, and we had been saying it, and it was a trendy pick of, okay, Idaho State is a team that could win a game they're not supposed to. And looking at their schedule, it's littered with opportunities like that all the way through from the UC Davis game last week. They play at the Cats. They have Weber at home. Idaho at home. Just all of those games, you think with Idaho State, okay, they're going to win one of those. Well, sure enough, against UC Davis, they dominated that game on paper. It was the biggest mismatch maybe in the league. You have 5-0, and oh, undefeated, number seven in the country, all the momentum in the world against 0-4, oh like you said, maybe some internal heat going on, Idaho State, but hey... We've made that road trip as well. Some California boys feeling good about themselves from UC Davis. They come into, huh? Pocatello? Hey. Polterina. What is this? They got thoroughly dominated in that they game. They, they made it a valiant effort at the end to make it a 10-point margin. That was complete domination by Rob Fennessy and his group. I, does it tell us more about Idaho State, Coulter, or does it tell us more about UC Davis? That's
0: exactly right. A couple more scores from around the Big State Conference. Eastern Washington, laid, wow. lit into Northern Colorado, 63-17. to 17 know State outlasts Portland State, 42-35. I feel like Portland State's already lost three games, 42-35. They, they can score when they're down by four touchdowns to get it back to one touchdown, but Portland State's kind of treading water right now. And then Sac State, they beat Southern Utah 41-20. The big news, which we'll get to a little bit more analysis on in a minute, is that Elijah Dotson, All-American running back from Sacramento State, he walked away from the team, citing family uh I don't want to say issues, but he had some family stuff to take care of. So he's, as of this moment, and I don't know if this is a permanent thing, but he is not on the Sacramento State uh, roster.
1: Without speculating, let's just lay the facts out there. They played; He's played in four games, so that means that if for some reason he decided to go a different direction, the redshirt rule is still intact as True. far as I'm concerned. And you look at maybe some of the, the box scores this year and – he didn't get the kind of production and maybe the, the touches that we came to expect with Elijah Dodson. So it's hugely surprising that that he's off the team now and that Sac State's going to move forward. They were kind of a pick in the middle of you didn't know what to expect. They had such a good year in 2019. They don't play in 2020. They play the same Dixie State team to start the year. Quarterback issues, 19-7, okay. Northern Iowa, they were right in. Then they got their, the doors blown off them in the second half. They're still kind of a team to me that's, Still has a ton of question marks. And I don't know how this Dotson thing is going to affect them moving forward. Do they really feel that they're a Big Sky Conference championship contender? They're one of three unbeaten teams in the league, but they beat Idaho State by two and they beat Southern Utah. So games they probably should have won by now. It's just intriguing to me. I don't know what kind of Hornet team I'm going to see come into Missoula here on Saturday. What I can tell you, and you know this very well, Bobby Houck has coached for 10 years at the helm here at Montana he has a total of 13 Big Sky Conference losses. He remembers every one of them vividly, down to the detail, down to the quarter, down to the style of game, down to everything. And with what happened in Sacramento in 2019 when Sac State absolutely dominated Montana and kind of ruined what was a really special season, that has been looming in Bobby Howick and Montana's locker room since. So, there, all there's that being little, said, we'll a little say,
0: extra juice there, too, because it was not only that they dominated them on the road and also knocked out... Montana's star senior quarterback in Dalton Snead, but that was also, I believe, the first time that Sacramento State had ever beaten Montana down there, and maybe, maybe Montana had lost their 2011 in uh, when Flugrad was the head coach. Regardless, I don't recall Bobby Hauk ever going and getting beat handily, or let alone at all, at Sacramento State. Well,
1: for Bobby Hauk, for sure, it was the first loss. And I think that might have been two in there, whatever it might be. But Sacramento State, they went in there and did it. And, of course, Andy Thompson. You got all the ties and Kurt Paulson and and all of those things. So uh, you you look at it. I think that uh, it's going to be an interesting game uh, this weekend. But the Dotson stuff surprises me. I mean, have you have you gotten to watch Sac State very much? Uh, I just- watched
0: him on Saturday night and he was nowhere to be found and so I was wondering what was going on. Troy Taylor said this to the Sacramento Bee. He said, football is not a priority for him right now and we support him and he will graduate this semester. He doesn't want to play football right now. We love Dot. We wish him nothing but success. The not wanting to play football thing is interesting. I'm not here to sit here and, and speculate about a kid who's 1,500 miles away that I've only spoken to in person five times in my whole life. But... Um, I don't know. There's something else going on there.
1: All I'm going to say is you look at his Twitter yeah. and you see maybe the things he likes Yeah. about lack of playing time, lack of touches. Interesting. I mean, I, all that stuff might be out there, and who knows? I mean, that's, again, maybe one of the differences between being here in Montana and you cover every aspect of a team, whereas in Sacramento – it's not quite the case. You rely on one article that gets put out there, and you're not quite sure what the, the internal battles are going on. I mean, it's just weird not seeing Elijah Dotson out there. I mean, he's still on the roster right now, but um, he's dynamic in, in every sense of the word. I mean, first team all big sky. I, I just It was interesting, Coulter. 95 total yards through four games. And the, the biggest sign to me is the four games. Right. Because that goes to show you that maybe – he doesn't want to play football right now, but maybe at a different spot. But that's neither here nor there. It'll be interesting to see what, what kind of Hornet team comes into town. Montana
0: Football Hour, presented in part by Bretts RV and Marine. Bretts RV and Marine, proud to be the largest of all Montana RV dealers. They currently showcase the best inventory in the state at volume discount prices. And they also have a service department that stands behind their products. Locally owned and operated for more than 50 years. Come enjoy shopping in their extensive RV selection as well as their accessories department. Stop by 4800 Grand Creek Road and start your next adventure with the premier RV dealer in Montana.
1: And I gotta correct myself, Craig Paulson, not Kurt Paulson. I don't Excuse know what was going. Yeah, I don't know Kurt what was. Kurt Paulson, going.
0: former uh, yeah, Montana assistant, and who's and now at Carroll College, and we love Kurt. Craig, it, Craig Paulson, the uh, original number 37. Thank you. I believe Bobby Hauk's, uh one of his best friends in you college. Would, you and, would be correct. That is defensive coordinator there at uh, Montana for seven years. So Craig Paulson is a veteran Big Sky Conference coach, certainly.
1: And how fitting, as we bring it all full circle, that Andy Thompson will be back this weekend for the 2001 reunion. Yep. I just think, oh, it's just cool when all that stuff works out.
0: No question. That. So uh, a couple things. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break and then look at the polls, as well as a couple other things I want to ask you about the Big Sky Conference, because I do think think that Idaho State, not only their first win, but I think it's an impactful symbol because there's a lot of different narratives that have sprung up at the Big Sky Conference, but also one that's been a, a president in the league for almost 10 years that it no longer exists, but maybe Idaho State is bucking that. Maybe they're they, maybe they're making it true again. More on the Montana Football Hour with Riley Corkin, Voice of the Grizz. Keep it right here. 1029 ESPN Missoula. Is now I'm on one oh two point nine ESPN Radio Missoula. Uh,
2: sometimes I feel so tired. But I know I've got one thing I got to do around the law. But now the time
0: the time is now seeing myself. I'm going around the world and I gotta find my girl on my way. What do coaches always say? KYP, know your personnel. Catering the playlist to my guest hosts, you know, Fridays, it's all hip hop all the time when Rajim e. Seabrook's here, when well, my good buddy Roddy Corcoran's here, we're going classics, man, we're going classic rock, a little Zeppelin, a little Who, a little Rolling Stones, thanks to Andrew for playing the beats in the back.
1: Absolutely, and for the record, I'm just, I'm not going to review it, but in the five o'clock hour, there's also a really, really good song that's uh, coming on, I'm just, I saw the playlist, I love it. You gotta love it. Montana Football Hour, here on Nuanas Now. Riley Corcoran, voice of the
0: Grizz, in studio with me, Colter Nuwana's. Uh, let's go through the polls quickly here, Riley. Uh, by the way, the Montana Football Hour is presented by Stockman Bank of Montana. Let Stockman Bank show you Montana's brand of banking today. Sam Houston State moved up to first in the poll after a 41-7 win over Lamar. Eastern Washington up number two in the poll after they destroyed Northern Colorado, 63-17. North Dakota State still undefeated. After their 34 20 win over number 16, Northern Iowa. So they are number three. The upset in the country Southern Illinois takes down South Dakota State. That's 42 41 in overtime. So SDSU falls to eighth, excuse me, to seventh. Southern Illinois moves up. Uh, from a two-fourth, and then Montana comes in at number five to round out the top five.
1: How about and how about Villanova upsetting JMU as well? That's I mean, a good that's way that's for Villanova. What were you going to say? Though? I was just
0: going to say you have a vote in this poll. So how did you uh, how did you lay them out?
1: This was the toughest week I think to vote yet so far because I think we all think down the road. Okay, yep, but South Dakota State, JMU, Montana. How do you differentiate these one loss teams? Because I thought it was one category. Of the three undefeateds that are left. And with respect to East Tennessee State and Rhode Island, they are not in the caliber of the top three and really in the top ten right now. So to me, it was Sam Houston, Eastern Washington, and North Dakota State. How do you rank those three? I understand that Sam Houston is the defending national champions in the spring, asterisk or not, whatever. They're the defending national champions, and they haven't lost this year. They just haven't been that impressive to me, and their quality of competition is an extreme step down from everybody else. So for me, it was tough. I want Eastern Washington number one. I was one of the nine people that have mm. them at number one. Okay. I want North Dakota State. At number two, I thought they, much like Montana State, I didn't know about North Dakota State. I didn't know, I mean, yes, they're the Bison, but they hadn't played anyone until last week. They smacked around Northern Iowa pretty good and hung in the 30s on them. That's impressed me. I want Sam Houston, number three, um, out of the undefeated teams. And then the one loss squads. I mean, how do you differentiate this? You got Montana, who has the win over Washington, their losses to a really good Eastern Washington team, Southern Illinois, Villanova, their losses are to FBS opponents, and they just got top five wins right those were great south dakota state and jmu i still think are national title contenders sure but hey they just dropped the game and how do you put them ahead of the team that just beat them and then montana state sitting there i thought four through nine was extremely difficult i went montana number four i went uh with southern illinois number five okay uh south dakota state I dropped, southern
0: illinois is a mystery to me they are why are they good what have they done to get good?
1: They're, they're solid all the way around. Because
0: they were like the team that was sort of yeah. lagging behind, especially not even in the conference, but in their state, too. Like Western Illinois and illinois state both were significantly better than Southern Illinois in the last couple of years but now Southern illinois has got it rolling a little bit
1: they've closed the gap and, yeah. and they feel it's what they've done up front i was impressed by their skill position guys yeah. like, who hangs 42 on south dakota state and brookings totally they went and did that so i thought they deserve the respect south dakota state i dropped to six villanova to seven james madison eight and i still have montana state at nine and hey if they win this week that shows me a lot yeah, and they're, that they're could, up in the top eight for sure if oh this week. That, they might propel them top five to, top five top six yep. for yep. me yep with a win this week how how would you rank this that was my top nine for being a, a national poll here I, I want to know who you would put number one and how would you rank the one loss teams and differentiate it
0: yeah I mean I probably would have honestly had NDSU number one and yeah. I would have had Eastern Washington number two and I would have had Sam Houston number three I totally agree with what you're saying about Sam Houston I think that they are a good team I think they're playing a, a weaker schedule and I think that they're getting a lot of credit for the spring which I know I'm on the other side of this, but I think that there's too much credit being given to teams for the spring and not enough credit for the here and now. So
1: I totally agree. And I
0: think I would have had Montana then right there at five. And uh, I think I'd have the the only thing maybe different. I mean, it's hard to not have Villanova in the top six after they beat the number three team in the country. It's also hard to rank Montana State over Villanova or South Dakota State or James Madison, even though I think the Cats are really, really good. So. I don't know. I actually think that this is pretty darn accurate. I think maybe my top four would be in flux, but I think it's pretty good. It's Montana Football Hour. Riley Corcoran joining me. Coulter Nuana's in studio. Uh, any last things to add about the poll before I ask you this open-ended big sky question? Well, I, I, you? I
1: mean, seven Missouri Valley teams are in it. I feel that it's so top-heavy this year. I think yeah. it's very clear. The nine that we just talked about, There's no doubt those are the top nine. I mean, East Tennessee State's having a good year at 10. It's really hard for me to kind of do the 15 to 25 because it all depends on strength of win, strength of schedule. No, I just think it's going to be a fun battle come playoff time. Get ready for it. I know Montana, Montana State fans, we love focusing on the big sky. But maybe start looking at what the top ten looks like every week because there's going to start being that jockeying for seeding, right? Not only Big Sky Championships, but seeding and those home playoff games we know are so important. So, no, I agree with you. So, I guess long story short, yeah, I, the top nine, I have no no problems with how it all shook out. You
0: bank with Stockman Bank, you receive personalized customer service and your phone call always answered by a live person. Stockman Bank's highly skilled and personable bank staff dedicated to making it easy for you to transfer all your accounts and transfer between your accounts. They also love meeting all your overall financial needs, blending traditional Western values with modern conveniences and state-of-the-art technologies. They provide time-tested products and services from people who truly care about you and your financial success. Riley, I was wondering, we were kind of talking about class A football at the top in the state of Montana, and I was in, in Class AA, there's a handful of teams that have no chance to win games unless they play each other. I was worried that that was the case in the Big Sky, too. I was thinking that there was like five teams in the league that aren't going to beat anybody unless they play each other. There also was co- a co- completely coincidental scenario in which I think that the two teams that had the biggest uphill uh, uphill to climb, or Cal Poly and Northern Colorado, just because of a variety of different circumstances – and new coaching staffs and all this stuff, they also happen to draw the two hardest schedules in the league. I mean, Cal Poly's not very good. They also have already had to go to Montana twice in three weeks, let alone uh, a game against Weber State at home in the middle. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is the draws were bad and the teams are bad, so I was actually very happy to see Idaho State knock off UC Davis because that's what makes league races what they are. It's never... When Montana and Eastern play, they're fine because the winner and the loser are going to stay in the top 10. When Montana State and Weber State play, I guess this Weber team maybe not as fine because they've dropped a couple. But what I'm getting at, though, is it's when you go beat one of the ranked teams and then go lose the next week on the road, that's where it goes away. And that's the thing that just happened to UC Davis. They got their win at Weber, which was the one that maybe you had on paper that they were going to lose but then they give it right back. And so now it's all chalk. It's it's back to square one if you're Dan Hawkins and UC Davis. I was just glad to see Idaho State. So what do you think of that prospect, though? I think it's actually, is it good or bad for the Big Sky to have teams like Idaho State that aren't conference title contenders but that can still impact the conference title race?
1: I think it's great for the league. That's what makes it different where we don't, guys like us, we go through the schedule, okay, well, Montana has two games that are going to be 50-50 and the rest they should roll over. You don't want that necessarily for the strength of the league. And I think as much as I think the Big Sky Conference is better than the Missouri Valley this year, that's what makes the Missouri Valley the Missouri Valley. There are no letdowns. Western Illinois is a team that's picked in the bottom two. Well, guess what? That Southern Illinois team that just went on the road and beat South Dakota State? They won in Macomb, 31 to 30. They almost lost to Western Illinois. It's great for the league to where you have to show up game in and game out, and that to me, Coulter, is why you have postseason success. You can't afford to take a game off in between. Just go, okay. Well, we're we're going to beat an undermanned Cal Poly team. I, I unfortunately, I think it's better for the league, but unfortunately, outside of Idaho State. Who in the bottom half of the league do you think is capable of doing it? I would respect all these teams, but Southern Utah, not going to happen. Cal Poly, not going to happen. Northern Colorado, no way. Portland State has been a disappointment to me. I thought Portland State can maybe be a team that will win a game they're not supposed to, but I don't know defensively they can.
0: That's true, and they're going to have to have one guy do it. That's a lot of pressure on one guy. Davis Alexander is the guy that could do it. He is talented enough to go win a game maybe they're not supposed to, but... So much of this comes down to uh, so many different things that we it's, are literally impossible to predict. Who's healthy, who gets hurt, who gets sick. What happens when your plane is delayed or you forget the gear or like whatever? There's all sorts of weird stuff. Remember when there was a moment in time when Rob Asher was the head coach of the Bobcats and they couldn't get a charter to like figure out how to get them to the place on time? Right. It was like charter gate every week as the Bobcat yes. plane took off. Can we get somewhere that we're actually trying to go to? It was such a weird thing.
1: Flight tracker. Everyone's like getting the flight tracker app to make sure you know Montana State got off the ground each week. And there's totally, there's different scenarios all across the board. Montana State this week is a great example. They're on the road playing Weber State. Montana State should be favored to win that game. They should win that game. But they're playing a Weber State squad that is at 13 days to rest up and to prepare for them and all of those different factors. And I think that that's what makes a league race so exciting. And I think it's a perfect time for me to ask you and pose the scenario out there. that there, We still think there are five teams that are better than the rest, right? I mean, the five, obviously, Eastern, Cats, Grizz, Davis, and Weber State, maybe? Maybe. But then Sac State, Idaho State, Idaho's kind of in the middle there. Do you think five big sky teams can make the playoffs? No. Four?
0: There's already too much juice for the other leagues.
1: Yeah. I, That's but, what it is, man. It's, it's, Valley, it
0: really man. is what it is. I mean, I don't want to get into the politics of the entire thing, but there used to be 160 votes in the poll. And the majority of the Big Sky teams were getting votes from a majority of the Big Sky Conference voters. There's not as many Big Sky – you're one of the only Big Sky voters in that thing. Love it, hate it, whatever, man. The East Coast bias is real. There's, what, 14 automatic qualifying conferences in the FCS? There's only one in
1: the Western Time Zone out here in the Mountain and and Pacific. Nobody's watching these games besides us. And I was just going to say I hate saying this, but let's just go to one great scenario, the top two teams in this week's poll, Sam Houston and Eastern Washington. Anybody that has watched both those teams play – Yep. I'm sorry, Eastern Washington this year is the better team, but how many people were up watching on the East Coast? How many people were watching Eastern Washington, Montana oh, at two in the morning? Exactly. Nobody. Exactly. So it it's hard in that regard, and I think the, the Big Sky Conference, we're going to see how it shakes out because it, it's very top-heavy. I think that there's a lot of respect for the teams in the top four and maybe Weber State if they can pull off the win this week. But you might see those four teams make the playoffs that are highly ranked, but... There's not much respect outside of there, I don't think.
0: Well, this last week was a interesting one because it was not very interesting. This next <laughs> week is a very interesting one because it's very interesting. So, Riley, thank you so much for stemming the tide with us. And Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz, will be back with us next Monday for the Montana Football Hour, which will be filled with far less open-ended questions and far more pertinent analysis about the games that will take place this weekend. But as always, my man, thanks for coming by. Love it. No problem, guys. Nuane is now ESPN Radio, our one in the books. Coach Marty just walked in. Marty Morningwig, the Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty. It's coming at you, all things NFL. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio.
2: At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond.